probably did hate Mayo and we thought it was hate at the time because these guys are trying to take away our dreams. The Football Pod live Thursday June 2nd in Castle Bar. Check out otbsports.com forward slash events and get your tickets now. Alright, you're very welcome along. It's Monday morning, it's Chernome. We're here with you all the way through until 10. The Dream Team reassembles, Owen. That's what they told me. Who told you that? Well, uh, the YouTube commenter who says, no Gilroy, no party. He's my guy. He, he definitely does always say that on a Friday morning. And uh, I, I'm just waiting for the moment that he accidentally logs into the wrong account and at your Gilroy and the YouTube comment <laughs> says, no Gilroy, no party. <laughs> well, that would, that would be quite the uh, turn up for the books, wouldn't it? Yeah. Would, uh, Wag of the Christie here. Uh, <laughs> we might talk a little bit about that later on. We probably won't today because there wasn't that much happening over the course of the weekend. Just a, a lot of very misogynistic comment in the newspapers. And yet it is the trot of the century, so I'm no doubt we'll re- return to it tomorrow. You've been gallivanting. You, you were in, uh, in all the way in Croke Park yesterday and you were in, uh, in the Tottenham Stadium. How would you compare and contrast? Which is the most beautiful edifice? Oh, well, Croke Park, obviously. Croke Park with its... Uh, mile of cheese. Mile of cheese, yeah, with its mile of cheese. Um, no, like, I, I, I still think that there's... The, like, the beauty of Croke Park is when it's full and, like, people kind of complain about Croke Park when it's used for the wrong reasons and it was definitely kind of brought up in the build-up to yesterday's game, wasn't it? The, the idea that these Leinster semi-finals were taking place there. I've definitely seen worse Croke Park atmospheres and it's become a bit of a pattern where we're kind of used to it. And like, there's no better place when it's absolutely full. Um, but The two uh, times a year that happens, great, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, like, a, and, and maybe it, it, to a certain extent, I actually did the fact that some of these games do take place in Croke Park is it just doesn't help maybe the product that we're seeing or the, the way we look at the Leinster Championship in particular. Um, but I, 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 still, I still love Croke Park. I still think it's, uh, um, you know, the, the, the big day out in, in Dublin for, for fans. I think people do enjoy that. It, it will, it, I accept it probably would have been better somewhere else yesterday, though. Oh, definitely, I think that it was a, a shocking decision. And they, I don't know why they wrote back on the decision that they were talking about previously where taking the games out was... They were all up for that. It's kind of one of those promises. Oh, we, oh definitely we can do that. Then, oh, we're not doing that. That would be ridiculous. I'd love to see the maths on it just to see how much extra they think they made as a result of that or what the, the thinking behind it is. And, and, and why do they do it? It just doesn't, it doesn't make any sense that you yeah. could have had rip-roaring atmosphere and maybe... I don't know, maybe you could give it home and away so that Mead get a game in Navin and would the game in Navin have been any different? It probably wouldn't have, but it might have been a bit more entertaining for the first 40 minutes. We might have got 40 minutes out of it instead of 10 minutes, which is what we got yesterday. So Yeah, it was, it was like with 38,000 people in there, like you, you could do a Kildare doubleheader with the 20s um, on, on Saturday even and the, like that way you could have put, what, 22,000 people into Moore Park if it was available, I'm not even sure if it was. But one of those sort of stadiums in the, the early 20s, which probably would have been enough, would have been a little bit unfair in Westmeath, obviously, uh, having to, to go up against Kildare support that also has a, an under-20 game, but I think they'd probably get over that. There was ways around this, like 38,000 is not the worst crowd whatsoever in Croke Park. And maybe there was this sense that after what happened last year, the, uh, the Leinster Championship was back. I think we saw yesterday that it's, it's still not it's still dead, <laughs> still dead. It's like the op- It's like the opposite of the. Just when you think you're out, they pull you back in. They pull you back in. It's just when you think you're back in, they push you back out. That's 
That's my takeaway from yesterday. All right. It's 7.33 this morning. If you want to get in touch, the hashtag is OTBAM, at Off The Ball AM on Twitter. You can uh, text us 0879-180-180 is the number. You can text us if you want, uh, old school text. Very few people do that, but occasionally we get a WhatsApp to that one and that would be grand. Uh, or, of course, you can leave a comment on the YouTube stream. But at 7.34, it's time for the Gillette Labs performance rankings. You know, that wasn't an All-Ireland winning performance. Probably should have won the game based on the second half performance. Is it a step too far to say it was the performance so far of the World Cup? Maybe not. OTBAN's performance rankings with Gillette. I'm, I'm, I'm scratching my head. Our performances were just lacked that intensity. Where do we begin? We begin in the red as we do every single Monday morning here on OTBAM on our performance rankings and we will uh, progress through to uh, the green. We're starting off this morning with Waterford, who were at the bottom after a plot twist, I think it's fair to say, on their season. They were looking like the team that could topple Limerick at the start of this year's championship after what they did in the league. Even early in the championship when they got that draw against Limerick, the question was, marker laid down, how realistic will that be when these two sides inevitably meet in the Munster final and then again potentially in the All-Ireland final? The beginning of the trilogy is what we thought it was with Waterford and Limerick. And what makes yesterday's setback worse is that I think we all kind of want Waterford to succeed, right? I don't, I don't think this is like a, a Mayo situation where you've got people out there who don't want Mayo to what? succeed. What? Uh, I mean, what? Some, some people... I think everybody... Say that again? I, there are people who don't want Mayo to succeed. Who oh, are these yeah. people, Owen? Uh, I, I think there's a, a lot of people who get a lot of joy out of uh, Mayo not winning, but... It's, are, you, are, you, are you one of those people? No, I've gone, are you one of those I've gone people? to the bright side after being on the dark side for so, so long. Right, okay. Uh, but Sorry, it, 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 feels like, it feels like Waterford would be the, the, the most warmly received Gaelic Games drought story ending. Uh, that's, that's the, let, let's, let's play it that way. So I, I don't think anybody's overly happy to see uh, Waterford's malaise over the last couple of weeks happening. And it, like that, that's what it is. And it's out of their hands now for them to even get out of Munster. It's like the same story as the last couple of round robins we've seen. Liam Cahill afterwards is fuming. We weren't good enough, simple as. We hurled like a car and dirty petrol, just chugging along. Just not acceptable. Not acceptable to the big Waterford support that came here. Terribly, bitterly disappointing. He also said, when the questions were really asked around the cut and thrust of championship hurling, we were more or less looking to the officials and out to the line rather than what was going on between the lines. That's a pretty damning statement of his team. It's very, it's very damning. And it's very damning in that here was a home game where it was a team who they had just five or six weeks ago really done what you were supposed to do in that circumstance, not give a sucker an even break. They completely obliterated Cork in the league final and put Cork back to the point where we thought that maybe this entire thing was going to break up where we've had Cork pundits in studio and on air and you can only imagine what they're saying in Cork off air when it's not being broadcast about the Cork hurlers and they put Cork, Cork put in a brilliant brilliant performance yesterday so we should definitely uh, give them credit for that it was physical it was uh, well thought out it was brilliantly executed it was clear that the stuff that they wanted to do they were being able uh, allowed to do Waterford again had Austin Gleeson sent off where he was already in a book and then got sucked into a, a row. Now, he defended himself in the row and I have a lot of sympathy with the fact that he did defend himself in that and Gerard Hegarty also, uh, it seems, responded a little bit to the, the shithousing that he was uh, being subjected to. But like, come on lads, every brilliant key forward, every marquee GEA player in the country has to put up with this stuff and you either put up with it and you're still on the field when the game is in the melting pot or you don't put up with it and you get 
sent off because at the moment the, the, the referees are not smart enough to cotton on to what's happening and uh, we have this culture in GA where the, the lippy guy gets away with being lippy and in some ways is kind of uh, a bit of a hero so until that gets sorted out the rules of engagement are that you can't respond and when you do respond you get sent off and like you know Waterford played quite well in patches so 15 on 15 for the last 5 minutes 8 minutes of the game would that have changed things maybe it would it's it's really hard to know it did feel like um that cork bounce back performance the last couple of years was all coming down the stretch and they responded in kind and they've blown that competition wide open now you know it's very hard to know what's going to happen the fact that the other game was draw and clear through to the, the final what does that mean did they rest their team well, it definitely gives Waterford a good opportunity. Cork are the team coming up against a team with something still to play for. Like Tipperary are back in the mix all of a sudden. And that game's on in Semple this Sunday. Those games clash, by the way, with the final day of the Premier League for anybody who's looking to you know, earmark how their weekend's actually going to play out this weekend. Those final Munster games both taking place at four o'clock this Sunday. You'd have to say that on paper, Waterford at the tougher fixture, but there's more on the line for Tipperary. So this thing is not done yet. And maybe this is the sort of path that Waterford need to take to get out of this group if they manage to pull it off on Sunday this sort of humbling experience that they've had to go through but like, I guess Austin Gleeson with what is it, two red cards in essentially four games now in all competitions that's definitely a bit of concern for Liam Cahill I think but, if you're clear you play a B team this week well, like, Why not? And as a result I think Waterford are actually going to go through well, the thing is, Cork could just go and win in Semple Stadium, and it doesn't matter what Waterford do. It's it's very hard to know what 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 sort of um, tip challenge Cork are going to face. You'd you'd suspect it'll be a tougher one than Waterford will face against Clare, motivationally anyway. Like, I can see why why you'd say that about Clare, and like well, the, it's just the right thing to do. Rest everybody. Give them, give yourselves a week rest. You've got a monster final coming up where you didn't think you were going to be. Well, you didn't feel this year was going to be the, the year where you catch Limerick, and all of a sudden you're right there with them. Yeah, you you do have a week off after that anyway. So like you've got two down weekends. So if you rest your team now, Claire, have two weekends off before. Yeah, but imagine somebody gets injured in that game, the meaningless game. Yeah, no, I get that, and you don't you don't want to, you don't want to get injured. Like just just resting everybody though. Like these are like good tune ups for later in the season as well. And like that's a that's very very good team that that Claire will be coming up against this weekend. Look, it's it's like it, it doesn't matter. I think I think that even if Claire were playing a full team, there will, would still be the thing in the back of their head where they're like, whatever we do today against Waterford we are going to be out on the 5th of June against Limerick one way or another so so I, I think that motivational thing in the back of the head you'd, you'd be favouring Waterford slightly again it's just down to what Cork will do and, and maybe Cork are the sort of county where if things are going bad things are going very bad but if things start to go good they start to go very very good yeah, yeah. and this is the sort of rebirth. one big game and could uh, as you, yeah exactly could could be the rebirth of this team I, I'm not sure if I'm rushing to that conclusion just yet I think what we've actually seen are some very high highs and very low lows for them recently which for any other team in the country or for the most other teams in the country we would say is actually just inconsistency but Cork we tend to read into this a little bit too much and say it's Cork they have an ability to you know go on this massive run um, I'll see it when I believe it and it'll be great to see Cork in the business end of the championship this year because they're a hell of a story yeah and they were both they were they were doing both in the game yesterday there were yeah. periods where Waterford were like oh absolutely brilliant and then it was like wow look at this where was this Cork for the last 15 years uh, Dave Coz says Wexford sorry Dave Coz says Waterford the Mayo of Hurling we haven't even talked about Wexford yet 
Wexford should really be in the red or Westmead should be in the green. Yeah. Wavy, Wavy, Westmead should have been in the green. Mark Dunning says, best for Clare to avoid any injuries or suspensions by picking a second string team. I would tend to agree. Like, uh, this whole thing about the integrity of the competition, the integrity of the competition is if you've already qualified, then you're entitled to do what you want. Oh, totally. That's, yeah. They're the rules. We don't make the rules. The rules are made somewhere else. And, um, you know, all oh, the round robins are amazing, but then there's always dead rubbers. And the, dead rubbers? What? Dead rubbers? How many of the games are dead rubbers? Yeah. No, like, I, I, um, that's not about the integrity of the competition whatsoever. I'm just thinking from Claire's perspective. Just with a week off anyway afterwards, because they just used this as a, as a kind of like last game before limbering up for a challenge against Limerick. But like Claire Limerick in a, in a Munster final as well, after what we saw yesterday. I wonder, is yesterday actually the real sort of marker from, from Claire in that? Maybe the Munster final isn't... I think, well, no, sorry. For Claire, the Munster final would be something that they, would, they will obviously be really going after and they would love to win that, that trophy. For Limerick, it, it maybe has less importance. But then again, after being... Step back a little bit yesterday, maybe. Well, it's a weird psychological thing, isn't it? Uh, Paul Murphy was talking on the football pod about uh, the hurting pod, obviously not the football pod, <laughs> about um, twenty thirteen and when they were beaten by the Dubs, they spent like ages trying to psychologically repair from that, and they couldn't that season. Yeah. So these these we think of these as like ah they'll they'll just swat it away or men in black it, and it's very difficult to do that. So mm-hmm. uh, right. Yeah, just like just one quick word as you say on on Westmead there. That's like the, a brilliant result at the weekend. It, it's kind of reminiscent of of Leash beating Dublin, obviously in a, a knockout game that was in in, in twenty nineteen. But it, it does seem every couple of years we, we get a result like this. And the first thing I thought when I saw that result for Westmead was that this was a team that I'd watched play in the Joe McDonough Cup final last year, and they'd used that to to build and to get back to a place where they feel that they can take on some of the teams of Leinster and they've done that and they've got a result against one of the, the top tier teams not sure why that was the first thing I thought of but this whole notion of a, a second tier competition in GEA that's what you can use it for to build momentum to actually play play at a level that, that suits you to get confidence to, to, to beat teams uh, week in week out and then you'll be ready the, the following year to actually uh, is, challenge top teams is, is the is the fact that the hurling league is so divorced from the stuff that really matters is that not something we should be talking about a bit more? Like, hurling is nearly fixed. And everybody says hurling is great. And it is better than football in terms of its structures. But why don't they just go the whole hog and have the, like, have some kind of a league conference situation where, you know, you still have your, these competitions, but there's some other competition where the top teams play each other. And then the best six go into an All-Ireland series. Isn't there a better way to do this still? Just don't play the league. Just replace it with a kind of more... Uh, well, keep your, keep your, keep your Leinster and Munster Championship, but then have yeah. a third conference, which is interconference, where everybody plays each other. Like, scrap the league, but it's championship from the get-go. Wouldn't that be better? It could, it, it could well be. Like, there's definitely a few of those kind of, like, cross-provincial matchups you'd like to see. Like, it, it's, it's just very messy at the moment with the situation in Munster and, and with Leinster, where Munster is just completely fenced off as this super league almost. And... Obviously, if, if there was a Munster winner, there can only be one Munster winner from the John McDonough Cup. It's, it's very, very unfair. They'd have to go into to Leinster. And Leinster is obviously just a bit weaker, considering that's where the teams are, are coming up and down from. So that, that geographical imbalance that we see in football in a more pronounced way is, is definitely still there in hurling as well. But the hurling league definitely seems to be... Anyway, too much good stuff for me to uh, sideline this whole conversation on uh, fixtures. Nonsense. Apologies. Two loser next up. This is obviously our uh, avenue to get into Leinster, but just on Toulouse very quickly, um, 
the Irish Times went through some of the French reaction to the defeat. I'm sure you'll feast on this and you have been feasting on this, Ger, over the, the last couple of days. Well, if, I mean, you're very... Uh, this is this is. I'm calling Munster bias bullshit putting them in the red. There should be a, a special blue section which is top of the table and it should be Leinster. None of this. Oh, Toulouse weren't very good, were they? Oh, they were very disappointing, weren't they? Oh, it's terrible that Toulouse didn't show up and didn't perform. Screw you, buddy. They were Toulouse were bloody brilliant for like 15 minutes. I mean, okay, their defence was good. They scored an outrageous, like the perfect terrifying fear try and Lens were like no big deal we don't care go on give me give me the reaction here explain why these are in the red uh, a lesson in rugby that Toulouse rarely receives is the headline in Le Figaro yeah uh, they wrote Leinster shines with its organisation its style of play programmed and recited off by heart cold efficiency the hard learning of the very high level continues for the golden generation of Stad Toulouse in pain this time then there was also Le Keep uh, Toulouse could never express themselves, always retreating because of pressure and undoubtedly paid for the excessive energy of their quarterfinal last Saturday against Munster. See, Munster did soften you up. Like Keep said it, the most important sports publication in the world. Toulouse were only a shadow of themselves, a striking contrast with the Irish, who were aggressive on the advantage line and always perfectly positioned. And then lastly, they said, uh, Leinster's combinations of alt- alternating play testify to the perfect knowledge the Irish have of their game. In comparison, Toulouse's game seems telegraphed. So yes, this is like a win for Irish rugby. Let's just forget about the fact that this is a Leinster win. This is just this is praising Ireland and uh, the Irish rugby culture that we have in this country. Was it ten it's a win the, for everybody? Ten of the starting team that played against France in the Grand Slam decider, as it was, as it was built. Yeah, not not a bad performance. Not a bad weekend's work. Yeah, no, they're, like they're they're excellent. Leinster, Leinster, were absolutely excellent, and the uh, the deja vu conversation that we felt there was a chance we might have been having just isn't going to happen now and, and that was with regards to power and whether or not Leinster would be able to, to handle it in the, the latter stage of the competition that Toulouse pack was obviously excellent against Munster the previous week but people who know a lot more about it than I do were saying that Leinster have fixed those issues and that definitely came through at the weekend and it's probably going to be something we see in the final as well because of the double whammy of Leinster being better and Will Skelton being out for La Rochelle well, and Leinster will very much fancy their chances in that final I think people f- do forget too that it wasn't the full Leinster team at any stage they never managed to deal off a full deck No Sexton in last those, year in No Sexton but also Andrew Porter was on the bench Caelan uh, Doris didn't start um, there were a few others who were out as well and their strength and depth wasn't as good last year as it needed to be so they fixed a lot of those issues their strength and depth could still do with a, a little bit of um, a boost but at the same time they now look like a squad who are hopefully going to be able to deal with the issues that are coming their way. A big, big caveat to that is Tyke Furlong. The immediate post match is like this doesn't look uh, like it, it's season ending. So let's let's wait and see and, and see what comes back from that because it's a very different scenario if Tyke Furlong is playing and if he isn't. Yeah, like I've kind of come to this stage as well where Tyke Furlong just turns us all into. Uh, people who love dad jokes like you're you're sitting there watching Tyke Furlong and you're like don't say it don't say it don't say it and you end up tweeting oh Tyke Furlong's a midfielder Tyke Furlong's a back and it's like this is like the 400th time I've made this joke because Tyke Furlong keeps doing things like this but it's never not funny of course he's pretty good isn't he yeah like if he's missing for the final obviously it makes it more interesting Leinster won't want that but he's the, obviously the, the unreplaceable uh, aspect of all of this but Leo Cullen seemed pretty okay with it in the aftermath he was like that's uh, it's, it's nothing to be overly concerned about we should have a, a fitness bulletin from Leinster I think this afternoon 
Uh, good morning lads are we sort of begrudging Leinster rugby as we need to be underdogs it's other teams underachieving when Leinster were just that good and I'm not their number one fan but I'm Irish yes Shifty correct Fergus Kill says yes Jared. hell with poor Toulouse praise Leinster's brilliance I mean uh, this is the mealy mouthed performance rankings brought to you by Munster's Owen Sheehan today go on praise Leinster's brilliance there go on but they were sensational like oh, they were absolutely sensational Brendan O'Brien on the papers yesterday made a great point about um, how Lancaster is kind of the de facto Ireland coach in that he coaches the Ireland players day in day out and that keeping him involved in this whole setup where they have the, the national style which is obviously brought to you by the brains trust of Paul O'Connell who's, who's there but under Andy Farrell's guidance and Andy Farrell's definitely been very important in giving everybody that freedom at international level to express themselves they're bringing that back to the club the club is like clearly one of the best coached best run organisations in the history of Irish sports like if Leo Cullen gets the CEO job and Stuart Lancaster gets the head coaching job that's kind of a dream scenario isn't it? Yeah like I mean because then you're going to have Lancaster for as long as he wants a job yeah, you've got to keep these guys in the Irish system and I think everybody's going to be okay with that one way or another because, as we see, Leinster and Ireland have such a close link-up in terms of playing resources at this point as well that even if there is no eventual gig with the IRFU, which a lot of Irish rugby fans would want, being involved with Leinster is still a pretty good contribution to, to Ireland as a whole. Um, what do you think of the Toulouse jersey? Asks Shifty Lads genuinely. Do you like these things, lads? Uh, I actually can't remember. I was too busy watching the game. It's, I, I'm... I'm you could, you could tell me. You could ask me now what color Toulouse are playing in. I'd be like, uh, well, uh, <laughs> Leinster played in their blue. I, I mean, what, what was, what was unusual about it? I'm the last person you want to be asking about this when it comes to. We, we've been through this when it comes to jerseys, when it comes to uh, colors the teams are wearing. I'm, I'm not the guy to ask. Uh, my kids were very interested in the pink warm-ups that um, Leinster had. I was like, I hadn't, I hadn't seen them uh, too often in the past, but. Uh, so it's the red jersey, the the normal stereotypical red jersey. The one with there's like a black stripe down the middle of it. I can't even. I don't know. Um, but yeah, is good, that are, red, are we red, happy? Red versus blue, good. Yeah, generally, absolutely. Are we happy? Well, actually, red. So why didn't Chelsea wear blue on Saturday? That that I did notice that Chelsea were wearing fluorescent yellow rather than blue, uh, and uh, neglecting the fact that they could be red versus blue. Um, are we happy there? Are we happy with like? I mean, your yeah, yeah, you're done, you're done, you're done. No, your appraisal of Leinster's brilliance. Is there anything else you want to say? Any yeah. other? Toulouse two- jerseys are very nice. I, ha- I have to say, they're they're very nice. They're like um, there's a, a black and white kind of Newcastle stripe down the the breastbone, and the, you know the Peugeot sponsor with the the cool lion logo. But uh, who cares? We beat the crap out of them. Screw you, Emil Entomac, and. Uh, handsome assassin bastard Dupont screw you all mm. we killed you yeah yeah, absolutely uh, very very happy for you and, and your boys uh, next up in the amber this morning we have Manchester City who've given us something to think about next weekend like this final day of the Premier League season is going to be pretty good I, I suspect there'll definitely be a title race on the line unless uh, Liverpool managed to drop points midweek but you're channeling your inner Nathan Murphy here are you? Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm going for that. I think yesterday was a, a significant enough moment. Like, I definitely would have been interested to see what would have happened if Michael Antonio decided well, to not be like. So, I mean, what? I don't know what happened there. Like, I mean, he obviously takes it very quickly. He's not even close uh, with with the effort as a thing, and he looks so devastated afterwards. I'd be, I don't know, I, I that that was the opportunity. Like, I, 
I think Liverpool against Southampton with their reputation of shipping huge tallies would have been interesting had Manchester City been beaten by two goals yesterday. But as it turned out, it was it was a draw. Fabianski keeps this thing alive. Uh, Riyad Mahrez misses a penalty again. Obviously, last season that miss against Liverpool doesn't feel too long ago. And like it just keeps this thing going for a little while. I get the sense listening to Manchester City players afterwards that they're not overly worried about this. Jack Grealish laughing at the fact that it's going to be Aston Villa on the last day of the season. But what do you think? Are your boys going to going to gift this thing to Liverpool? I mean, just just for a moment, picture the fever dream of the Liverpool fan every night this week, getting longer and longer and longer. You know, early in the week is just the first five minutes, and it's still nil all. But as as the week goes on, somehow Steven Gerrard intervenes with some. Magnificence. Some Philip Coutinho has signed his deal. He's now a permanent Aston Villa player. Philip Coutinho, who basically set his whole thing in motion by asking for a transfer and giving Liverpool the money to sign Virgil and Allison, it comes full circle, and the ball falls to him with two minutes left to go, and it's nil all. And Philip Coutinho skies it over the bar. Oh, oh! How did it happen? Is that the fever dream? Uh, possibly that would be very very funny I, I hope that happens No, as, my, be, as, my, as much it, as I want to see the drama like if, if this Coutinho zero assists and zero goals in the last eight games but they've decided they needed to sign him anyway the thing is like the Coutinho commentary would just be like Aguero in 2012 and, it would be amazing and it would be Manchester City you get done on the final day of the season and a full knee slide in his suit from Stevie G <laughs> and the Villa fans kind of reluctant to celebrate because they're like hang on a second why? You're very excited about this. Yeah. You're very, very, very... I mean, we're excited. Yay, why is he so excited? Why does this mean so much to him? I mean, never does this mean matters. he's going to leave if he gets really good? Do we, We're kind of trapped in this weird scenario where we want Steven Gerrard to be like, good, mediocre, not good, great. Because if he's good, great, he's going to leave. But if he's good, mediocre, Liverpool won't give him the gig. It's like a kind of, oh, don't reach your ceiling, please. Maybe, maybe, maybe your ceiling could just be like, Seventh, never top six. So, what, so you're you're talking about him there as if like his ceiling is, is is very very high, and as if like Aston Villa are like protecting this guy and is trying to keep him a secret. Nah, did I? Was that what I said? Well, it just, it just seems that way. I don't know. I mean, they, let's wait and see how well they do in the transfer window. We'll see. And give him a full season, I guess. But yeah, like, like yesterday makes things a, a little bit more exciting. Um, and, like, and like we're going to have something to, to think about more or less that you'd suspect on, on Sunday like, uh, it's interesting that they, it is interesting that City blew the chance to win it and they went 2-0 down before they woke up and like uh, they got a lot of help from West Ham <laughs> they got a lot of help it was Mayo-esque from West Ham in the All-Ireland Final uh, two own goals really like a penalty and um, a, a bad own goal as well like not one of those ones where you're like oh I totally understand what you're trying to do there it's like, if you just don't touch that, you know, the only, the only thing that you can do there, head that into your own net, so maybe, maybe don't do that. Um, maybe I'm being unfair in West Ham. They did very well. Much better than most teams have done against Man City. So, um, I don't know. Uh, Manchester City in the Amber after that performance yesterday. In the, the green, we've got uh, Dublin football and we've got Liverpool. Uh, from their relative performances over the course of the weekend, you might just like we, we, we skip on to Liverpool just since we're on this yeah. topic. Like, I mean, it's already I suspect without whatever happens over the next couple of weeks, uh, one of these great seasons for 
Liverpool fans, one that they're not going to forget too quickly. And um, like I mean, Saturday there's you can make an argument that maybe Chelsea deserve to win it. Liverpool and um, their their inefficiency or their inability to create an, an extra time maybe is an argument for that. But I'm, I'm not sure if I necessarily buy it. It felt very similar to the Carabao Cup final where if there was a winner throughout the match, you might have thought fair enough. But um, come penalties and come that Sadio Mane miss, I actually did think it was going to be Chelsea who were going to win it. That Thomas Tuchel moment where he's banging the ground with his closed fist in celebratory mode like uh, to, to come back from that in the end where the Chelsea fans were and for Diogo Jota in particular to, to bury that penalty uh, that took cojones and uh, obviously Simicast with the, the, the finishing penalty an unlikely hero on FA Cup final day um, it, did, it obviously did it's it, it's so in the lap of uh, well it's obviously not in the lap of the gods because they do all the work on the penalties but like I presume Chelsea are doing similar work so um you know they've they've kept it alive. Is that is it great that they managed to keep it alive, or is it a little bit concerning that the injuries are starting to pack up, pile up, and the performance wasn't great? Well, does this come back to your point and your argument with Nathan last week about what Liverpool actually do with the available playing resources? That if Van Dijk is in the amber fitness wise, if Fabinho's in the amber fitness wise, if Mo Salah's in the amber fitness wise, are you playing them against Southampton tomorrow night? No, no, that the league is gone. Like. I, I know you've put Manchester City in the amber, but like it's not like... But it's not gone. Like, that's why they're in the amber. It's the very definition of still being alive it's before really, this weekend. It's really not, though. Is it? Like, it's Villa at home that they have. Yeah. They're a three to five goal better team than Villa. Uh, I'm literally just about to check what the, the odds are in this game, but are they a three to five? Like, they, okay, the, the odds will be Man City minus two is... Uh, Seven to five. Yeah, I, I like it. Just, it I just makes it a little bit interesting, and the, the fact that Manchester City missed an opportunity that can sometimes destabilize a team. Like the thing is, we thought that Manchester City would be destabilized after what happened against Real Madrid, and then they went out and smashed Newcastle United that weekend, didn't they? So uh, they seem to have uh, an ability to forget those things quite quickly because they're they also rested. They also rested. Like the, again, again, Pep no subs, which is totally weird, very bizarre. Again, no subs, and uh, Foden didn't start. So like, yes, they'll have a fully fit uh, Phil Foden to come into the team next week, and like uh, Sterling didn't get any minutes yesterday. Gundogan was on the bench, wasn't he? And he he didn't actually come on. So like they they have they have pretty much a, a fully fit squad available to to choose from. And like I mean, it, it would of course be a shock if if Aston Villa took points off him next weekend. But it just makes it interesting. It just it just keeps us going till the final day of the season. Liverpool at home to Wolves. I'm not saying don't watch it, but I'm saying that. Like if you're Liverpool and you you get injuries now in these last two games and then you lose the Champions League final because Mo Salah's injured or Virgil van Dijk is injured or Fabinho is injured or all three of them are injured. Like if all three of them are gone or there's doubts about them, how confident do you feel about them being able to beat Real Madrid in a one-off game? I don't feel particularly confident about that. Like the Champions League, I know I know they've they've said from an emotional perspective they want to win the league in front of their fans and they want to have that homecoming in front of their fans and they want to be free post-Covid to celebrate a league properly and I get that there may be one coming in the future because Jurgen Klopp is staying and they've loads of money but like the Champions League is right there for them and winning another Champions League elevates them into all-time great territory two Champions League in a couple of seasons in three seasons in a beaten final at the start of that run and like really a very regretful Covid two-legged defeat like they're they are definitely one of the best teams in the world at the moment and therefore one of the best teams 
potentially of all time like win a second Champions League and you write your name in history that's the put the put the chips in the middle of the table for the game against Real and go for it no one will ever regret that they should also be able to beat Southampton without those players so it, it may not necessarily be a black and white decision and also you're what one, two, three days away from those injuries being sustained not in the case of Fabinho but in the case of Van Dijk and Salah are those guys actually going to be available to play on Tuesday night Probably not. So it, it, it may not be a, even a, an either or. Maybe let's go for both of these. And the Wolves have literally nothing to play for in the last day of the season. So like you're gonna you're gonna stroll those games anyway. Like yeah. Uh, like the thing is, it's just it's just Southampton the road. If that game is at Anfield tomorrow night. You'd be just a little bit more confident. But if they get through that Southampton game, then it's um, it's it's obviously very much game on in the, the final day of the season. And wasn't it um, in the 2018-19 season or was it 17-18? Um, when there was City versus Liverpool, like City did go behind, didn't they? Or they conceded early on that final day of the season and made things just a, a little bit edgy. There was no problem in the air for them. They did end up clinching the title, but strange things can happen on the final day of the season, as, as Manchester City know very, very well. Uh, finally, <clears throat> the dubs. Um, they are good at football. They are very much one of the favourites for the All-Ireland Football Championship. They are into a final and they will have to beat the mighty Kildare to retain their title in a couple of weeks' time. How do you feel about that? Um, well, I was looking it up there as well. Dublin 7-1 to one on. Uh, wow. The spread is 6. Dublin minus 6 is evens. Um, Caldera plus 6 is 11-10. Uh, so, spread is 6. I think... I think uh, for the rest of the country, unfortunately, Dublin are back. Um, and they have a level of conditioning that they appear to have this year that they didn't seem to have last year they certainly have a, a, a purpose about them they're playing with that anger that chip on their shoulder that only seven time All-Ireland champions can have which is so weird because like they have all the gifts that you need to be seven time All-Ireland champions and still a little bit chippy and a little bit angry um, so yeah that um, puts the cat amongst your power rankings doesn't it? Not really I pretty much said that Kerry and Dublin are the two best teams in the country and I don't think we've seen anything over the last couple of weeks that have changed that. I, I, don't, I don't understand how anybody can still cling to this notion that Dublin aren't in the top tier. Can we just go back to the league when everybody was telling, telling us that Desi Farrell couldn't coach? Can we just remind everybody about, oh, are they getting good coaching? Is this a good team? Is This this team's rubbish, isn't it? They're, they're like, uh, they, he, you know, like, it's, it was, like, I think Desi Farrell has proved to be an excellent coach, right? He won All-Ireland the first time out. He's got exactly the same track record as Jim Gavin had at this point. He's going to go All-Ireland win, All-Ireland defeat in a semi-final. And now five in a row. Like, I mean, you know, I don't think they're going to do five in a row because I think Kerry are, are too good. But, but the, this Dublin team isn't as good as the Jim Gavin team. Like, it's, it's possible for those things to both be true, that Dublin are still... But isn't, are, it, isn't it also possible that Desi might be also an excellent coach? Like, very, very possible. He, uh, did, like, he did win All-Ireland in COVID with almost no time to work with the team. Yeah, like they were coming from the base of being All-Ireland champions. True, yeah, it's true. I mean... Five-time, all five in a row All-Ireland champions. They were the best team in the country by a distance. Like, I, time, I, I, I do still think that like, time will tell how, how this thing will go. I, I, I just think one thing we can be clear on now is that Dublin are absolutely one of the favourites for the All-Ireland as opposed to some sort of also-ran who, who, who may 
have a puncher's chance in a big game. They don't have a puncher's chance. They will absolutely be close to being favourites in every single game they'll play between now and the end of the season. And I think I think the odds are actually changing before our eyes because yeah. of the quality of the performance and the, the fitness of the players and the individuals. Like, when James McCarthy didn't start the first game, I was like, ooh, what's the story here? But then, obviously, that... He was brilliant yesterday. Things changed. <laughs> they he was were like, absolutely class yesterday. They were just bringing him back. They were just managing his <laughs> minutes. They were just doing what, like, Leinster and Ireland do. They were like, okay, we, we understand there will be times later on in the year where we, we need you to be at your very best. And like, you know, generational footballer, him. Generational footballer, Fenton in midfield. Generational footballer, Conor Callaghan. And maybe Kilkenny reaches the, the position of being a generational footballer. That's the backbone of your team right there. Do like, you think Kilkenny could be able to shout at getting like a, an individual uh, footballer of the year sort of gong soon? It, it felt last year was... Um, maybe one of those moments where you talk Kilkenny's definitely making more of a contribution on the scoreboard maybe the stats don't back that up I, that just kind of is how it felt and yesterday maybe it was a f- five points he got all from play yesterday so he's definitely contributing more on the scoreboard the one the one thing that you would be getting hope from if you were uh, Kildare is just the, the amount that Dublin conceded yesterday while being very very comfortable 114 was what they conceded at the end yesterday, which is a pretty big tally considering this felt like 2020 when they absolutely destroyed Meath. But what they conceded was not like that at all. In fact, it's been five years since Dublin have conceded that much in a Leinster football championship. It was a 2017 Leinster football final against Kildare where they conceded more than 114. So they've gone through five years of not conceding that amount in, in this competition, and they did yesterday. So that defence is definitely... I think they won that game by 10 points though as well, didn't they? Yeah, oh, don't get me wrong, they absolutely ho- hockeyed them, as they did uh, for the la- everybody for the last 10 years. Right. But that, that's the one nugget of, of hope if you're still there. 1A, 1B in the performance rankings, we're saying they're on a tier on their own at the moment, and then Derry are third, are they? Is that We'll have to wait and see. Um... Shifty Lad says, brilliant, Jernone. I never noticed jerseys, only it was great. They were red and we were blue. That's Shifty, who two minutes ago was telling us, I'm not really a Leinster fan, but now he's we were blue. Uh, Welcome aboard the bandwagon, is all I'll say to you. Uh, O'Toole1905 says, lads, I'd love a rule to be in. If any cup final is nil all after two hours, the cup goes back on the shelf. No winner, no parade. (laughs) Everyone go home. That would make them play and compete. Yeah. I kind of like the build-up of the tension over the, the penalties. Yeah, or, or even just throughout the, the 90 to 120 minutes, just the, the real sort of tightrope nature to extra time, one mistake and it could all be over. Paul McGee says, this week is when the hope kills you, hoping Jer's mighty villa do us a favour on Sunday. Thoughts on O'Gara versus Leinster? It's kind of sickening for Leinster to be like, oh, it's going to be O'Gara again. Oh, no. Uh, O'Gara versus Sexton will... Uh, uh, there might be a narrative around that in the build-up to this game, perhaps. Uh, John Claffey says is West for La Rochelle that bad at goal kicking all year round or just in the pressure games we get to see near the end of the season it was the same last year Damien says I'm surprised that La Rochelle's goal kicking with Raj as coach was it uh, rugby pass or rugby ladder one of those had a picture of uh, O'Gara looking down going at the pitch going get me in my boots lads uh, Connor Pratt says surely Farrell wants the top English gig at some stage I don't know I don't know I mean I think the likelihood is that Andy Farrell is going to be the Ireland coach for this World Cup cycle and the next one uh, Robert Moss says enough structure talk hurling structures aren't much better than football it's just a better sport and spectacle I don't know we'll come back to that 